Ferguson turns 80 today. So let's start with a few of his own words. A fine passage in his second memoir reads as follows. During the first half of the season, a diagram appeared on the blackboard with players, staff, media, CEO, all connected to me in the centre. I worked my way through each relationship, covering all the elements that were part of my world as manager of Manchester United. Duster in hand, I rubbed out most of them and told the audience, these ultimately do not matter. The press, one press conference a week, an interview after the game. Agents you tend to hear from when a player wants money and so on, until it came down to the core of the job. Your players, your staff and your chief executive, because you deal with them every day. When asked to pick his Fergie 11 with Scholes and Brian Robson automatics, it's tough to see Roy Keane in that team. Up front, there were nine options to play alongside Cantona, meaning one of Rooney, York, Cole, Van Persie and Van Nistelrooy would be on the bench. As for Giggs, another automatic pick. Ferguson used to amuse people by saying he had only won five penalties in his entire career, such was his determination to stay on his feet and play the game in the correct spirit. Remember what he said to Ali Solskjaer about getting a player sent off. This is not who we are. Ferguson cherishes the team goal where in a 38-pass move against Wimbledon in 1994, every player touched the ball. The best title was the aforementioned 2006-07 title, where a relatively new team won the league at their first attempt, helped by securing Keane's replacement in Michael Carrick. What we did at all times in success and adversity, Ferguson said, was make sure the training ground was sacrosanct. The work there, the concentration and the standards we maintained never dropped. Faced with the need to confront a player who had performed below our expectation, Ferguson might have said that was rubbish for a player of your own ability. Criticise, he said, but balance it out with encouragement. Gary Neville remembered the familiar team talk about unity, pointing to players in the dressing room and saying, I want him on my team, I want him on my team. Neville would always smirk when Hugo Echiog's name was mispronounced. Neville was also told to present himself in the club blazer, walking tall and proud and never appearing in casual wear. Indeed, Ferguson once sent Kieran Richardson home when the player arrived blaring music in his sports car. As a former striker himself, Ferguson admits he was harder on them than on any other position. Solskjaer was his best natural finisher, while Van Nistelrooy was selfish. Diego Forlan, who was multilingual and brought a breath of fresh air, had to care for his sister, who was back in Spain. Ironically, Forlan was due to sign for Middlesbrough, but his plane was cancelled and he went to Manchester instead. Alas, his paltry goal ratio didn't help his cause. In training, at the back, we practiced defensive drills almost every week, especially with crosses. Position, attacking the ball, movement of strikers against them with the fullbacks coming into it. One of those fullbacks, Gary Neville, lived in an environment of excellence under Sir Alex for 20 years. To get a group of people to come into work and give their all every single day and never give in showed he was a great leader. He created an environment of excitement, energy, compassion and empathy. He came from socialist roots, but he also enjoyed champagne and red wine. You can come from socialist roots, grounded roots and then go and do well in life and enjoy champagne. The gaffer expected high standards. Sir Alex said this to us as kids. Fight every day, work as hard as you can, and the money will come. That, says Neville, is the way I've always viewed life. Here's Michael Carrick. Don't be afraid to work hard. Concentration, penetration. That's how he summarises the boss's team talks. His insatiable hunger made his players raise their game not out of fear, but out of total belief in him. 
Even one word of praise after a game was all that was needed to lift his players. And even when he rested Carrick, he would make you feel like his most important player. It was like riding a train that never slowed. It just kept rolling on. Earlier, it was a bus. Even in January, the boss trained us like racehorses so we would be fit and fresh to let loose towards the end of the race. There were several stallions, to continue the metaphor, Ferguson couldn't secure. Since it is his birthday, let us look at the gifts who got away. Manchester United tried to buy Paolo Di Canio. The deal was all done, but he wanted more money. And Ronaldinho, a deal was agreed. Ferguson spoke on the phone to Luis Figo, too. He wanted to arrange a swap deal with Barcelona for David Beckham in 2000. He would have had to break the world record to sign Phenomeno Ronaldo for £20 million plus £2.5 million in wages a year, which was double the top earners United had in 1998. In that year, Marc Vivienne Foe broke his leg after agreeing a deal. Ferguson also really wanted World Cup winner Lilian Thuram, which would have been curtains for Gary Neville, and centre-back Philippe Mekshesh, scouted as a teenager and sent a letter by Eric Cantona. Earlier, Newcastle had wanted £3 million for Peter Beardsley, but sold him for £2 million to Liverpool. Peter Cech, meanwhile, was deemed too young to be signed alongside Eric Jemba Jemba. David De Gea was also scouted from when he was a boy, while Michael Owen's dad was too demanding and so United missed out on the Chester-born lad. David Bayon, meanwhile, was poached from Sunderland in a move that the Mackham chairman called despicable because United sought to unsettle him, with Bayon crying off injured. Wayne Rooney could not be tempted away from Everton at 14 or 16, but a lot of money changed hands when he was 17. Everton shareholder Bill Kenwright sobbed, they're stealing our boy, when the transfer was being arranged. Rooney would be committed in training sessions, even leading other coaches to be scared to referee them. Around 2011, Rooney could not play 90 minutes that often. Here are some players Ferguson did sign, but who didn't work out for one reason or another. On Juan Sebastian Verón, what a good footballer. His intelligence in the game and his engine were first rate. The problem was that we couldn't find a position in which to play him. Alan Smith's leg break brought the revelation that Ferguson is hopeless with needles. Back in his publican days, he was releasing a spear to let the air out when a rat jumped on my shoulder. I leapt back and the spear of the keg sank into my cheek. You can still see the skin graft. I fainted as soon as they put the needle in me. Michael Owen was one of the most disappointing signings who would go for the easy option and he had no confidence in himself after his injuries. Chicharito, meanwhile, was scouted to the nth degree as a family boy who wanted to stay in Mexico. Another adage was to strengthen a trophy-winning squad to avoid stagnation. Hence Dimitar Berbatov joined from Tottenham in summer 2008. Cleberson was signed in a hurry from a Brazilian club after doing well at the 2002 World Cup. His wife was only 16, which posed problems. Louis Sahar gave us a doing every time he played United. He lived a few doors down from the gaffer, but he had to be 150% to play. Viv Anderson, who had missed four games in four years, came to United and was never fit. This was wretched as Anderson was a huge fan of the club, but the knee injuries kept him out. Who else got away? Harry Redknapp knew Alex Ferguson coveted Joe Cole. He sent Cole the United kit with his name and the number 10 on the back and even invited him to travel on the team bus for an FA Cup final. Meanwhile, when Ferguson asked Redknapp to name my price for Luka Modric, 
Harry did what Brian Clough had done when Ferguson asked about Stuart Pearce, ignoring him. Redknapp went on holiday to Sardinia and he called me every day out there. Redknapp got on differently with Ferguson than with any other manager. On one occasion, they kept the teams waiting for their team talk, perhaps talking of horses. I often felt more relaxed before matches at Old Trafford than at any other ground. Part of the importance of strong leaders in the dressing room, like Rio Ferdinand, Emmanuel Vidic and Roy Keane, was that the gaffer could just stand back and let him go to town on us all, knowing his captain had done the heavy lifting, before Ferguson added a few calmer words. That's what Andy Cole said in his book, and when Cole moved on to Blackburn, he grew irritated at the lowest standards of training, and he fell out with Graham Souness. When United had secured the 2006-07 Premier League, journalists gave him a standing ovation which starts up for a second time after the manager asked, who told you to stop? In the press conference, only when Van Nistelrooy's name is mentioned do things go a little awry. United had eight players in the 2006-07 PFA Team of the Year, voted for by players. Three of them came through the ranks, Giggs, Gary Neville, Scholes. Three, Ronaldo, Ferdinand and Vidic, were expensive acquisitions. Edwin van der Sar and Patrice Evra were also key components of the third great team. A footnote, when Chelsea formed the Guard of Honour after United had won the title before going to Chelsea, it was for the reserves, because Ferguson put out a B team. John Terry's face, Daniel Taylor writes, was a picture. Just like the library! Just like the library! 